Thorsten Nash is a creative juggernaut, and we'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Another edition of uh, Meet the Author uh, tonight, but uh, my guest is a lot more than an author. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how we uh, we got him on this program, and I'm going to ask him about that. Uh, I don't know. You know, production-wise, we're getting a little bit sloppy around here, and so we're keeping track of where all the guests are coming from. Uh, so I don't know exactly how we found my guest tonight, but he is one of the more interesting people I've had the chance to uh, look into uh, as I uh, go along my interview or learning course of, uh, in life uh, via the podcasting world, uh, getting to interview so many interesting people tonight will be no exception to that. Uh, before I bring him in, I need to talk about my sponsors tonight. Tonight's show is brought to you by audiobooksnow.com. Audiobooksnow.com. You know about audiobooks. You know about the convenience of audiobooks. Uh, you also know you can get audiobooks just about anywhere on the web. So what makes audiobooksnow.com different? What different is them? Well, the answer is simple. Price point, price point, price point. Audiobooks Now Club Pricing Plan is simply the best deal on audiobooks you'll find. It offers a savings and flexibility not found anywhere else. With their save-on-everything discounts, rollovers, exclusive offers, loyalty program, incredible selection, and cancel-anytime policy, it simply cannot be beat. Plus, get a free premium audiobook on select titles when you click the link that's in the description tonight. You'll also get an offer to uh, get a 30-day free trial of the club pricing plan, which is normally $4.99 a month. It's absolutely free to uh, try for 30 days. If you're not happy at any time, you just cancel. You won't be uh, billed a penny. Talking a little too fast, aren't I? I'm, I'm anxious to get my uh, guests in the, in, into the program tonight. <laughs> uh, so with audiobooks now, you save on every audiobook you purchase. They don't use gimmicky credits to hide the true cost. Whether you want to save big through the club pricing plan or simply purchase at everyday low prices, they offer one of the largest selections on audiobooks anywhere. You can download or stream the audiobooks through the website or free apps, and all their apps include in-app purchasing, if that really turns you on. Uh, something I'm always interested in. Uh, and the link is in the description. And I do appreciate you patronizing our sponsors. Now, onto the big program, as I mentioned. My guest tonight is pretty, uh, pretty interesting guy. Um, Thorsten Nesch is an award-winning author from Germany uh, originally. He's uh, now living, I believe, in Canada. I'll, I'll verify that with him in a moment. He's also a songwriter and a filmmaker, uh, writer, producer, director, all that kind of stuff, uh, probably acting too, and probably a bunch of other things that we're about to find out about. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Thorsten Nesh to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thorsten, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, what a fantastic intro. <laughs> it's my pleasure to have you. I, I, I think you're about the 10th or 15th uh, Thorsten I've had on this week. Um <laughs> No, honestly, uh, I've never met anybody named Thorsten before. Is it a common name in Germany? It's funny. It's just this uh, bracket where I was born, uh, where it's a common, not before and not after. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do I have it right? You're living in Canada now? That's correct. I live in Lethbridge in Alberta, north of Montana. Okay. So um, let, let me get to know your world a little bit, because I do, I, you know, I do a little bit of research on guests, but I can't uh, really understand the world you grew up in versus the world I grew up in. I grew up in the United States. Uh, I was born a decade or more before you, before you were. Um, and so uh, I don't really understand the experience of growing up in uh you know, Europe, uh, especially Germany, uh, 20 years post-World War II, what that experience, tell me a, bit, a little bit about growing up in Germany starting, I guess, in the late 60s and, and going through that period of your life. Yeah, um, glad you ask. It's a, that's a nice question because I, I have four memories of my childhood and uh, so I was born in 68, so I'm pretty much a child of the 70s, you would say. And uh, I grew up in, um, in the, on the fourth floor of an apartment building the first 12 years of my life. Uh, and we lived together, my mom uh, and my grandparents and my uncle in an apartment under the roof. 
and the uh, the 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 washroom was a flight downstairs <laughs> outside in the hallway, <laughs> and we had the bathtub in the kitchen. So I'm from more of a blue color background, you would say, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> And so I uh, was it in East Germany or West Germany, because I, in case it, it occurs to me that people are, who are graduating college this year uh, were born after 9-11. That, yeah. that's, that's surprising to me. So I'm sure there are people listening who were born before the wall came down and there were yeah. two Germanys. Which side were oh, you yeah. on? Oh, yeah, I, I, definitely different sides. Yeah. So I was in, in the West. I'm born in, uh, and grew up in Solingen. That's where all the, 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 the blades come from, the city of blades. <laughs> so it's right. an industrial town. My, my grandfather was actually making scissors in a factory still. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so I was listening to one of your uh, songs, the one that's on the on the website. Uh, so call me surprised. And I got to say, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan already. I can't wait to listen to the rest of the album. Um, but so what kind of music did you listen to in Germany in, from 1968 to whenever you moved to Canada? What kind of yeah. music did you grow up on? What were your musical influences? <laughs> yes, yeah, no. So uh, music was probably pretty much. OK, comics were my first love comics were my first love but music definitely came in second and um i grew up like with the radio that uh, was uh, playing and then the biggest influence or the biggest change was actually watching uh, bill haley and the comets in the movie rock around the clock i think it was black <laughs> and white and i was a child i'm not kidding i, I saw that and it was like a world exploding i got the double life album or the double album for the bill haley and then it was beatles right away and uh and then we moved, and then I stumbled over what was the next one? It was a, what was it? Ah, oh, yeah, Dead Kennedys. Like it was like punk, uh, sort of. Uh, and my, my friends were heavy metal. <laughs> so then wow. I migrated, yeah, migrated into that. But then the biggest thing in 1985, I heard for the first time Tom Waits. And that was a game changer Thank for you. me. That, <laughs> that, <laughs> Yeah, nothing right. was the same afterwards. Yeah. That's that was the first impression I got. The first three <laughs> notes of, of the song I listened to, I said, "Wow, this, uh, this makes me feel like I'm about to listen to Tom Waits." And, so, <laughs> and then it carried through the whole song. So, uh, and but when you started talking about heavy metal, there, I started thinking, "Well, I'm totally wrong about this. I must be in an alternate reality because this <laughs> this is nothing no. close to the Tom Waits yeah. stuff." Interesting. No. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Tom Waits. I'm trying to get him on the program. Uh, so uh, I, I'm, tr I'm very influenced by his work too. Um, but so you found him in Germany or you found him once you moved to Canada? Yeah, no, it, I found him in Germany. It was on public television. They had like a Saturday night spot for one music video in 1985. We had no cable TV and stuff, right? So there were just three channels you could choose from. <laughs> so, and there was like 10 past 10 at night. And then, uh, it was downtown train, a black and white video. And right. I was the next day, like on Monday, of course, Sundays, the stores were closed in Germany. But on Monday morning, I went to the record store and I put it on the rain dogs. And it was like uh, after that, I didn't have much money, so I could just afford every two weeks a, a, a record. So but then I caught up pretty fast with this work. And then, yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, I, I'm not sure where, what came first, but I'm starting with the music stuff first. And uh, I'm going to I note that you're extremely pro prolific. You've just put out a, a PDF, uh, I think 120 songs. Is that what it is in 20 years or 140 songs in uh, 20, 20 yeah, years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was quite amazed myself because it's it's just I, like I it's, just it's, downloaded it, uh, and yeah. I, I can't I can't wait to read further. I started reading it, but that's a lot of songs in twenty years. So you're extremely prolific, and the question begs that for most people or creative people, that yeah. would be plenty to fulfill them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you're also a writer and a filmmaker. Yeah. So what <laughs> came what came first? Uh, was it the music? Was it the the writing? Was it filmmaking? Mm -hmm. What what came first for you, and where? Yeah, what's where? Where's so, your heart and passion go stronger, strongest to the the music, the the writing, the yeah. filmmaking? So, so and, I, as you, yeah, you, you're totally right. So I was as a child already, as a young teen, I was already like into music, and I read a lot, of course, right? And um, so, but there was this threshold when you stop playing with toys, 
I don't know, maybe with age of 13, maybe. I was probably late. Honestly, I was probably late, <laughs> late, late bloomer that way. So, you know, I went to school and then, you know, my friends were, so what did you do yesterday? And I was like, hey, I did, you know, Playmobil and, you know, like playing whatever, you know, and they were like, oh, you know, like cringing, right? <laughs> and uh, basically I stopped playing and the next week, I figured out since I was reading a lot as well, I might give it a shot at writing because I, I hinted already I come maybe from definitely not a rich background. So I couldn't say, could I have a photo camera, a film camera or a big music instrument that wasn't in the, in the, in the, in the world. So by the way, that's why so many Irish writers are there because that's the cheapest art to write. So <laughs> I, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Uh, so th that's interesting, but you're prolific not only in the songwriting, but in the writing of novels as well. I mean, I was going through your Amazon page and it's just like an endless scroll. And some of the, uh, you know, titles and stuff are really intriguing. Some of the things that I'm, I'm most interested in. But that's, and those two things alone would be overwhelming to a lot of creative artists. And then I know that the filmmaking process. It can be a pain in the ass. I mean, to, yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of work, or life consuming to make yeah. a film. So yeah. the question is, where the hell will you get all the time to write? <laughs> I mean, do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> so my publishing houses in in Germany asked me the same question, right? Like because they always <laughs> like puzzle pieces, you know. And then a radio play came on public uh, radio as well, for example. And they were like, "When did you do this?" You know, like and and from, I don't know. It's a uh, I think because I, uh, like in my early 20s, I kind of decided that I would job to allow myself, to buy myself time to be creative. That was my uh, goal. You know, I couldn't say like, okay, in 10 years, I'm going to be a professional writer because you don't know. It's art, right? Wow. Um, so it was a lifestyle decision. And then uh, I, I I think I learned to, to work really precise. I don't just write into the blue, for example, novels. It has to be a very concrete idea that takes between two and 15 years to develop before I sit down and write that novel, you know? So I, I put a lot of thoughts on and off in there. And in these moments, let's say, uh, you know, on the trail, for 10 years, I was a professional author in Germany. So I traveled between Denmark and Italy, my books I read, and schools as well. And uh, so I traveled a lot, you know, and then you're sitting on the train and, you know, and then you're looking out of the window and then I might have an idea for a song, right? And I have maybe an hour or two to go on this train. And that's when those songs, for example, happen, uh, not necessarily from nine to five, you know, right. the, the filmmaking came in when, so I, that's why on my homepage, I say I'm a storyteller to broaden that up, right? Um we are talking now my second language, <laughs> obviously. Right. And uh, so my wife is Canadian. That's why, you know, so that is that. And we moved uh, to Victoria in British Columbia. And I went through the immigration process, right, to become a permanent resident. And I was not allowed to, to work. You know, as an artist, that's not the hardest decision to make uh, if you can afford the life, right? But what what do you do, you know? And the, the custom officer that told me, okay, uh, because I I, the, the, I asked him what should I do, he said learn an instrument, right? Yeah. So I tried get tried the guitar, and the other thing, I still had a lot of time, and I was walking, strolling through downtown Victoria, and there was a um, a film associate, film society, and you could join for twenty bucks a year. And then I said like I don't have money, you know. And they said like well if you volunteer, you get volunteer bucks, and you can rent camera or uh, editing equipment. And I was like, that was great. I could get hands on filmmaking. I'll definitely do that to balance basically my my lack of vocabulary, especially at that time, my grammar and vocabulary. Might have so that's where that came into place. And it never left me because editing is my third language, I would say. Uh, editing taught me so much about storytelling, when to finish, for example, a scene or a chapter. It's amazing. Yeah. So it yeah. all bleeds together. Yeah. Well, it's not as simple. I don't want to mislead people here. It's not as simple as just getting your hands on equipment in filmmaking. You got to, first of all, you have to learn how to use it. You have to comp uh, learn how to compose scenes and all that stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it, yeah. it, it, it's a learning curve when you start oh, yeah. doing that as well. So you dedicate a lot of your life to this whole creative stuff. So I'm, I'm guessing, yeah. um, 
that's your whole life is 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 your creative life please tell me that's your whole life and you don't have like like uh you're not also part of like a uh professional uh, athletics thing or it's anything like that uh anything else anything else that i would be like really feel down about myself like look at all this guy's doing and i'm just sitting here podcasting. no athletics wasn't in for me <laughs> they're not the biggest sports guy I try to keep fit right to stay fit but uh i i i do work part-time as a, as a janitor as well here because it's my i i guess <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Okay. Uh, um, so uh, now we have a lot in my audience. We because I do so many author interviews, I get a lot of aspiring you know, authors, kind of, and people who are working on their very first novel, and they're yeah. listening and looking for uh, little tidbits in of of uh, wisdom that they can em employ into their art, right? Yeah. Uh, but and when I look at you, I see something that I think would cause so much envy if people and, and people are going to hear about it right right now. It's that you you've published works that become mandatory part of curriculums for schools. That to me, uh, when when aspiring writers hear that, that's like a wet dream. That's like wait a minute, that uh, they can't sell any books, and yours are required by the school. <laughs> how did how does that happen? Is the question. Yeah. So I, I just do one sentence ahead. You know, I mentioned already the comics, right? So from comics, as a reader, I graduated basically right away to pulp fiction. I jumped over young adult fiction. I literally didn't read any young adult fiction. And then switched 20 years ahead, and I have an idea for a novel. But it doesn't work for my age. It doesn't work for your age and not for retirees. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, what if this happens to 15 years old, right? And I was like, mm, that would be a young adult fiction. I never read one. I never wrote one. And I never intended to, right? I saw myself more like as a bohemian or something. And But the idea was so good. So I just did it, right? I just wrote the novel. And that novel was as a manuscript um, nominated as Best German Debut before it was published. And I also sold the film rights to that novel wow. before it was published. And I was like, oh, this is fun, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's, so, and, and, and then one idea, once you dive into a genre, other ideas come up in that genre that, you know, so I never stopped writing adult fiction or, you know, or horror or funny stuff because the best idea counts for me. But if there was a young adult fiction idea was, for example, the book we're talking about is uh, called in English, The Drone Pilot. Right. So it's about a 17-year-old boy. And it, it is in one province in Germany. It's actually yeah, the, uh, from next year, next school year, for two years, a mandatory read in German language arts. And 1984 is in English language arts. Wow. So it, it, it is absolutely amazing. I've never dreamt of that. I dreamt a lot. I'm a big dreamer. And <laughs> get me, I, I, I was interviewed by the biggest people you can imagine. You know, like when yeah. I was, before I was published, right? <laughs> and <laughs> um, unbelievable, good, good stuff. And it, uh, it's something to inspire and motivate people just to that to know that that could happen. I mean, if you, yeah. if your work is good enough and it it resonates with the right people, that could happen. Uh, so you know. It, that's one of the uh, things uh, that stands out to me because I'm a uh, huge, I consume everything about the subject, whether it's um, science based or science fiction based, is yeah. The Time Traveler. Uh, tell, me, tell me a little bit about that book and your interest in time traveling because it's something I've been obsessed with for about 50 oh. years. <laughs> okay, a good, good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a subject where, where it's. Uh, Okay, it's out there. It it, it was dealt with, and it's uh, the time traveler itself is part of a, a a bigger project. I got a literary arts grant by the Alberta Foundation for the Arts to write a novel. Now so I got that. That's pretty new. It's the six weeks or eight weeks ago. So for a year, I now part time can finance write a novel, and the novel is uh, taking taking place in twenty one twelve in the year here in Lethbridge, and the time traveler is a character that travels back to today. And it's basically a parallel story. So uh, next month, July, August, uh, I will conduct interviews as the time traveler <laughs> from my novel. And it will be a, like a limited podcast, you would probably say, a limited series. 
and it will accompany the, uh, the 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 novel as a different medium and the the look uh, of it, you know, because where, uh, he wants. Hmm? Where do you find the um, creativity, the where uh, the uh, the spirit of somebody from twenty twenty one twelve, and get into that that character and understand? The world that came as we started this program, I wanted to get to know the world that you came up in and, and to know yeah. the person you are and how you're different from me. How do you relate to that guy who you just invented, but you invented him in a world you can't know about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that no, that I can't know about. Um, I don't have a mirror now, okay. Uh, so the notes, the, the idea is around 12 years old, and since 12 years, I, I gathered and gleaned, uh, collected ideas, articles. Uh, I read all the dystopian novels. I, I made notes. And all that stuff is right now completely on that wall here on the other <laughs> side. I can't turn off the, the laptop because it's kind of hooked up. But believe me, it looks like, you know, somebody like True Detective and I'm... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of uh, as a yeah I'm I'm like a detective looking for somebody because you know I draw lines and stuff so the world 2112 has 12 years of development um I hope I know it well enough to to portray the time traveler and the, his point of view especially from a, a world well enough to do probably very quirky questions that right. are, you know, because it's really a complete different world. And not only that, they lost the uh, uh, all the history, basically. So they have to recollect what happened in the past, although it's not too long ago. But we started it, all in the cloud, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, but, you know, because I belong to a lot of time travel discussion groups and, and social media oh, and stuff like that. Okay. And there, there have been people who claim to be from you know that approximate yeah. time and there's always the same questions people ask them you know they and and so i think that's in my mind if i were going to write a book i think of what kind of test is are people going to put up because if he try if he tells anybody from 21 yeah no <laughs> no, no. Gonna believe he, or they're going to test yeah no he basically tries to blend in here the time traveler and doesn't tell what he does. He actually just says like, I, I just do a podcast, you know, because it's popular. And, uh, but what it actually is, it's, it's a really, it's like an anthropologist who sends back this, uh, the message into the future to tell about life today. Gotcha. So he, it, yeah. it's easy for him to know the world he's going back into and yeah. kind of, yeah. yeah, because yeah. All right. That, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> so uh, are you uh, inspired or interested in, the science behind uh, physics and all that kind of stuff and, and the possibility of time travel, or is that not really en entered into the thinking of this? It's more about the characters and the, the storyline of somebody coming back to, you know, whatever they, their mission is or yeah. the task that they have to do in the story. Um, yeah. Is it more of that or are you interested in the science? It is more about the characters, but also the science part. I, because they just developed it, right? Like he's basically the second or third guy that successfully actually lands. But then there are also technological uh, glitches because, you know, some people fall off a chair, right? Like and he's time traveling. So things go wrong. <laughs> you know, we haven't it all figured out. And I leave the, the deep technical part uh, in, in the dark. But uh, they have some conversations. Why? Oh, yeah. Why he can't go back that easily? Because he just should send one and then go to a different time. But yeah, then there are some technical, technic problems that I won't explain. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you're extremely, uh, extremely prolific in the books as well. I mean, I'm just looking here to here through titles and uh, I, what is this? I am you. Am I the body? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a body switch comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Is, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got that. It's cool. So the question I'm going to ask you is how 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 often are you putting out books? Because you got then school shooter. Uh, this one I can't even see. Uh, Grolar. It's half grizzly, half yeah. <laughs> Grolar bear. Uh, yeah. Locomotive uh, and time traveler and. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. If we go to your Amazon page, and the link will be in the description for people who want to check out your work. But you're putting out so many books here. Uh, how often are you re publishing books? Are you uh, doing two, working on two, three, or four at a time? Or are you a it, factory? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I so ten years I was really like professional, like a hundred percent author. Uh, so I that allowed me, of course, to be really effective, and uh, I, I really had a good role during those ten years. And it was about, I would say, um, yeah, I would say a novel a year. Yeah. So and then so that's ten plus I think four or five now. Four. Five. I also co-wrote two novels, right? That I one with a Zimbabwean colleague, right? My totem came calling. That's published here in Canada. Uh, I wrote together a, a novel with uh, Blessing Musariri from Zimbabwe. So we. Wow. Yeah. Very very uh, impressive stuff. Uh, and so now. Um, the filmmaking part of it, are you when when you're doing that part of it? Yeah, because uh, uh, I'm not sure. I know you write, produce, and direct. Is that this? Uh, do you do that on every film that you've worked on, or are you doing taking on all those? Um, I, I honestly, I, I not necessarily would aim for it. So for me, it's not a prolific thing to do. It's more out of necessity that I have a vision and I ask colleagues, you know, we talk about low budget or no budget, right? So, right. and 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 uh, learn during the process. So it's a very communal experience, actually, to make movies that way. And you're very close for a very short time, right? Right now, the, the one movie party time is in editing, um, so we, we, all the principal shooting is done and, uh, yeah, so we, we hope now that the editing goes well, we have a good sound and soundtrack. So that's, and it's going to be a feature, right? Like, so then of course it's a big thing. A short film is difficult enough, but, uh, keeping the people together when nobody is paid, basically, uh, it's a, it's about a positive experience for the people. And it's really fun. I like collaborations, right? I'm not necessarily the author that just, sits back and uh, uh, alone in his uh, office or studio um, um, all the time. I love that, <laughs> but I also uh, love people. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll come back to the collaboration stuff when, when I come back to the music stuff. And uh, I do want to kind of talk about that, uh, all of it combined now, because uh, we talked about all the three things, the, the three things that are your prime creative outlets um is the creative process similar for all of them because you talked about uh, almost and i don't i don't want to call it procrastinating but taking a long time to think about the story and get it right before you actually start to write it you talked about that with, with the novels is it the same process for songs and films it's very interesting that it is very, very different, especially with songs. Songs are really living almost like in 45 minutes to 60 minutes when it when it happens. And wow. the, the luxury there is to uh, make it possible to have that hour where, where it's like I'm just in there, I hear the melody, I kind of, on the train, when I mentioned that before, I might have just hummed it into my phone, right? Because I'm not a musician in a way that I write down notes and, and, and all that, right? So it's more about chords and, and uh, like songwriter approach. Um, I, if I write down the first version of, of the lyrics, um, there is then a second part when I actually record the song, of course, and you shape a little bit, you know, and, and but but otherwise the, the structure is done there and uh, have a very, they have hopefully a long, I, I like my songs, I must say, I like them, I play them just for fun as well still, also the older ones, um, uh, so they have a long lifespan for me personally, but like the birth of a song is very short. Yeah. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. So, uh, but you just mentioned collaboration. Uh, is collaboration a part of your music? Uh, because uh, it's clear that you're playing guitar or ukulele on a song, <laughs> but uh, um, are you doing the pr production and the production, you know, producing, uh, technically producing and engineering, mm -hmm. as well as the ideas of the production? Because I don't know what that instrument that uh, you're playing. It sounds like a, a mallet keyboard or something uh, yeah. in the background on that song. I don't know yeah. what it is. But are you coming up with those arrangements, production ideas and all that, as well as, uh, uh, or are you collaborating with somebody? So uh, what this uh, last year happened that in addition to my, yeah, the ukulele that hangs there and the guitar that stands around the corner is um, in the past, uh, I, I was with a band. The band was originally an instrumental band in Germany. 
and I was a poet. And everybody that saw us independently said, like, you guys should meet, should do. And, you know, and then we did. And then we really hit it off and we became a band and we toured and all that stuff. Right. So that was a collaboration part that I don't want to miss. It was so much fun. So why do I say that? Because I still am in contact with one of my friends, Max, and he became an ambient musician and he's published uh, records uh, in, in Los Angeles. They like him as well. And but he's in Germany. Right. So. And he uh, last year then egged me on to get a um, Ableton is the software. It's a DAW uh, that you can use. And I got a, a Turia uh, a keyboard. And then I work also with loops that you can access and uh, play some instruments or songs or, or pads and stuff like for the people that know about that stuff. And basically that is the biggest addition, I think, in my creative life over the last five years. Like yeah. that, uh, because I really love it. It's it's inspiring. It's uh, I go back, for example, to my poetry that uh, lives and lingers on parallel in the little universe. Uh, and some of those things become then maybe not songwriter songs, but, uh, you know, a little bit more experimental maybe in the future as well. I can see that happening. I love it. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're giving people the wrong impression here, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> And um, uh, I say that because, um, you know, you talked about getting the the equipment to do the, the films and stuff. And, and I know a lot of filmmakers think uh, or want to be filmmakers. Oh, that's all it takes. But now having a, a, a DAW and loops and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, that's fine and dandy. And, and it's a part of the production toys that we have now. Yeah. But I got a friend um, of mine. Band in a Box uh, about a week ago. And Band in a Box is a really powerful program for people yeah. who, who, you know, who, who don't play instruments but are songwriters. Yeah. And he can't, he can't make any music with that. I mean, I was over his house the other night and, and, and so it's not just the equipment is nice and the, the tricks and stuff, but learning how to use them to make music and, and, and the creative, uh, inspiration and ideas behind it to make it really music that somebody wants to listen to is more than just having those tools and i don't want people to get that the wrong impression that because you you make it seem like i didn't know i got a ableton and and, uh, and some loops and i sound great <laughs> it's not thank that you, easy thank you so much no i am my, my friend and, and the musician max Wurden. i had a couple of help calls where he said like if you need you know just let me know but the thing is that uh, what uh, so I I worked in Germany as well at a radio station. We go now back thirty years, right? right? And so that was before digital. And I had the luck that was that was a big step. So I I learned radio doing um, on the tapes, right? Like where you have to edit like this. I you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so, so <laughs> I, I learned I learned on all that, but I made the shift to digital with that radio station. So I got trained on the audio editing suite back right. then. And right. that was a huge help going to Victoria now, learning how to edit film, right? Video. I was like, oh yeah, okay. So uh, you know, if you know one thing, you can always carry on that going cold into Ableton or into any of those pro uh, uh, softwares, of course, is really difficult. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's true. Yeah, I, I grew up in the same world. I mean, I, I've, I've worn a lot of hats and been, had many, <laughs> many careers in my life. And But one of those was as an audio editor in 1980s. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, cutting with razor blades and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, not fun compared to what, the, what we have today and what we can do today, of course. But again, yeah. I think it's a creative inspiration the ideas the the humanity you know and and this is a big thing with uh, with people especially when people get snobby about music that is made with the help of modern technology it's not the technology still doesn't make it musical yeah. it's it's got to yeah. come from the human being that that makes it music that people want to listen to yeah no absolutely i say like for me like the the, the song I, I like the song structure i like uh the, the extension basically for me the the ableton and the the arturia it's like a, a keyboard it's a midi keyboard uh, that you connect to the computer for listeners that don't know that you know um is it's it's a really wonderful extension of of my tool set that's how i say i can just that doesn't mean i stop uh making a song just on a ukulele right like because it's like at the night at the end of the day at 10 30 you kick back tonight right everybody's asleep or so it's a quiet instrument so yeah just play around a little 
Me too. You know, I noticed, uh, and it just after 35 years of, of giving up, you know, I used to play a, a lot with a pick, but, and I still uh, do when, I, when I'm out and I'm performing, I always play with a pick. But yeah. when I'm at home late at night, I never yeah. grab a pick. I'm always playing with my fingers because it's, it's late at night and I'm trying yeah. to keep it a little quiet and all that stuff. But I just noticed that after 35 years of having that habit that after 8 p.m., I will never pick up a guitar and look for a pick. I'll just start playing with yeah. my fingers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an unusual thing that I, I guess. Uh, but when again, when I'm out performing, it's all, I'm always using a pick. So it's it's just a, it's it's weird, and yeah. it doesn't affect me it's, <laughs> to yeah. not have a pick. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're you're a guitar player first before the ukulele, right? Is that yeah, yeah? yeah. You know, it it was uh, two years ago. There was a, it's called the South Country Music Fair. It's north of uh, Lethbridge here. And it's a wonderful outside concert venue for folk music, uh, independent music of all that. And there was a ukulele workshop and my wife wanted to go. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'd rather, you know, and she's like, ah, come on, you know, it's like, oh, okay. So, and there were ukulele, you could just try, right? So, and the guy was saying something, I'm like, mm -mm. and some people were looking at me and somebody was like, you played before. It's like, no, this is literally the first time I have a ukulele in my hand, right? Like, and I was, you know, and it was just fun and easy. And and then we went back, and then a couple of months, nothing. And then uh, early last year, I think it was, or end, uh, time flies these days, uh, uh, there was a moment where it's like, you know, now I would like to try it again. And there's a music store where you can just rent a instrument. And I did that, and then I said, like, no, I want to keep it. It's like this is a fun, again, a fun addition to my tool set, and uh, it was good for an album of ukulele songs that wouldn't be there without it. Yeah, so uh, I, I suck at ukulele, and I'm I'm, I'm really <laughs> in awe of people who don't suck at it. I can play a lot of stringed instruments, uh, and I know the you know I know the fingerings and all of the you know. I know how to play the ukulele, but it just um, some for some reason my ears uh, drive me crazy hearing that top string be the highest string because I'm so used to yeah. on every other instrument the top string is the lowest string in the register and it it just screws up my playing. But I'm all yeah. I'm always in awe of people that can actually play that <laughs> instrument, and I wish I could play it better. I have one. I keep I keep trying, and every time I pick it up, I just say I suck at this and put it away. <laughs> The next time, it's it's funny for me. That's the only only drop where I would say my critique as well would be the same thing. I rather would go with lower notes, and I already got the strings where for the ukulele where the one it's lower, it's right. lowest, so yeah, it's a different okay. string. Yeah, so yeah. I, I assume those strings go. I, I I will check that set. Yeah, yeah, that drives me crazy. Uh, so. <laughs> um, that, so your filmmaking process—I mean, your your authorship process—is different from the songwriting process. Now, with filmmaking and a screenplay, that idea comes to you all at once, the, uh, or and you, then you put it down and figure out how do I make this into a movie, or is it the same sort of process with the books or closer to the songwriting? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The the thing, of course, like with film, it's uh, I I can't get a helicopter flying through, you know, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I can yeah, do I'm, that in novel, right? like that's fine but so some novels uh have that possibility that potential to become an independent movie some don't right clearly right. not right uh so the one thing that was turned into a movie here uh was derailed the locomotive where uh, a broker wakes up underneath a derailed train that derailed close to the at the coast and he's waking up under the rubble of the train on the ground of the ocean because it's low tide and the high tide comes in and there's just this massive rubble above him, right? So we made what? that in a sort of experimental movie because you could. We went to the junkyard, you know, and I had wonderful colleagues uh, uh, that now also made the next movie together because it's 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 a fun thing to come up with these, like, yeah, the entire movie is play, takes place under rubble, you know, it's, and, and right. he tries to... to to make uh, make his way out. So and and the drone pilot doesn't work because like there's like massive blowing up stuff, you know, in the novel. So I can't attempt that. Yeah. So yeah, you know, uh, I understand what you're talking about. Production values influence yeah. what you write yeah. uh, when you when you're low, no budget, low budget filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what strikes me as 
the ideas that you're talking about and the and the stories that you talk about, yeah, they they're costly for you, but for Hollywood, they'd be a dime for, yeah, for, yeah. for what they spend for real productions, right? Yeah. But they they're so starved for ideas, but they're not going to go, you know, put put money a couple of million dollars into making because that's really what you're talking about here. It's just a couple million dollar production. It's not like a hundred million dollar production no, for your yeah, helicopters yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not going to invest in something like that yet. They'll remake King Kong for the nineteenth yeah, time. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me why Hollywood just doesn't look it's, for more. Like for, for, yeah, for, for new stories in general, like uh, for me, this remake uh, thing, I know why they do it because they don't have to sell a new idea. It's everybody, ah, King Kong, big, big monkey, let's watch the movie, right? Like, so, so you know, they know that that's why they do it. The where I sold the film rights, you know, I mean, that is. I didn't have an agent or something. I, I wasn't even traditionally published at the time. How does right. this happen, right? So how <laughs> did that happen? I actually, so I worked as a script doctor in uh, in Germany as well. And so I fixed up treatments and uh, film scripts, uh, but not my own ideas, right? But of course, I, I wrote own stuff and tried to sell it and they didn't. But what a film script is great for me too, it's uh, having a night as a reading. So I go out and after 90 minutes, my film, my film is over because I read the film script. And on one of those readings, uh, there was uh, somebody that where the brother is a film producer. So, and he then told the next day, he phoned his brother. He said, like, this guy, that, that was an awesome story. Well, you know, you're always saying you're not getting stories. Here was somebody in a cafe reading for 40 people, and we <laughs> laughed our heads off. It was Let's Rob the Cops, what I, uh, it's also a novel. Uh, I turned it then later into a novel, actually. And um, and he said, like, well, you get in contact. And and uh, so I got a call, like, two or three days later. He says, like, yeah, my, my name is Marcus, and uh, you, you did this thing. Could you send me the script? I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, where did this come from? So I sent him that script, and he, he got back to me and said, like, you know, we are a pretty young company, and we're looking for something young adult. And I'm like, really? I have that, too, because that was the novel that then – was uh, nominated as best German debut, not at the time, but I sent him the novel. And he said, he phoned me right away the next day after he read it and said like, this is awesome. We want to buy the rights. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, I heard a lot, right? Like for 15 years, I was touring like little pubs and occupied houses. I read everywhere, right? I chased away cafes in public, whatever. And so I heard a lot, like there were people coming up to me. I make a star from you is a great, oh, you're the next Charles Bukowski and stuff. I'm like, yeah, so I heard it all. So the guy's like, so you want to come to Berlin? I'm like, no, I don't want to come to Berlin. You know, I have family <laughs> as well, right? So it's like, okay, uh, can I come uh, in two, two days? I'll let you know. It's like, yeah, okay, we can meet here in the cafe, right? He came to the cafe. He flew from Berlin to, to Leverkusen, where I was living at the time in Germany. And he came with a contract. He says, take that home. Don't sign it here. <laughs> Never do that. Read it in peace, you know, and send it back to me. I could not believe this is happening, right? Oh, until wow. the money, yeah, until the money was on the account. And, uh, yeah. And, and then, uh, and then my publishing house, because then, uh, by the nomination of the manuscript, publishing houses contacted me that's the other thing you know if you're an author and you you know submit to to those uh uh yeah to any opportunity where you can get public because like, i mean of course getting uh, nominated as a best term debut draws the attention of publishing houses and then uh i said yes to the one and i told them that i sold the film rights they didn't believe me I said, I, I, they didn't, they said, <laughs> well, that's not really, because that's not, uh, I mean, that's not nice. I mean, yeah. if you're really supporting somebody and, and you, and you believe that, then what that's saying is, I don't really think you're good enough to sell. Uh, uh, so well, they, they were thinking I was poker. I did play poker with them to get more money out of them. I was like, <laughs> I was like no, I'm happy as a clown, you know, like a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so obviously your work is very good, or this wouldn't, or these kind of things wouldn't happen to you. But I'm kind of, it does feel like there, there's some luck involved or some you know just the chance of being seen but i don't feel i i don't like to uh in, to encourage the idea of luck because i think we have to make our own opportunities what what do you think uh is the 
reason that happened to you when it happened to you. Yeah. Do, do you believe I, in I, luck? <laughs> so I, I, I mean, I th hopefully we all believe in luck, right? Um, I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I tell you what, what happened like when this happened, right? This was in, in, this happened selling the film rights and the nomination and the basically the attraction the of of the publishing houses happened in six weeks, right? We're talking now before 15 years where I was working as a pizza delivery driver. I worked at the Pentagon, but that was a bar in my hometown. So, but I can say I worked for the Pentagon. Um, so, so, you know, so all these, all these things, right? Like, and I, it, as I said, like around 23, I was saying like, I do this lifestyle decision so I can create uh, create stories, right? So after this happened, I met my one, my high school friend, right? Like we hung out since uh, seventh grade because we had to repeat seventh grade both. And uh, so we were hanging out and I, I was telling him and I, and I said exactly this. I said like, can you believe the luck? And he's turning serious, right? He looks into my eyes and says like, Thorsten, you're doing this for 15 years. This is not luck. Yeah. Man. This was overdue. Uh, yeah, that, like that's serious. The twenty-year uh, uh, overnight success is twenty years in the making. Yeah. Is a typical <laughs> yeah, cliche. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it strikes me that not only that are you very divergent because you have film and authorship and music and all that kind of stuff, but some of the subject matters and the the topics that you write about, in, especially in the books, I'm looking at these. Uh, just the titles, they're different stories. And I know time travel is very different from a derailed train that's yeah. underwater. It, it's yeah. just a world of experience. So my, my question really is, um, the, is your voice, do you, do you know your voice? Do you recognize your voice carrying out the same authorship through different kinds of stories? Do you, is the, is your authorship voice the same when you're talking about derailed or talking about the time travel or talking about the drone pilot? Are you, do you still recognize Thorsten Nash's voice? Not at all. And <laughs> not at really? all. And, 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 and yet again, you know, somehow, yes, because I do have readers that get back to me and they read my adult stuff, the horror, the fun, the young adult stuff. And I actually, I did have the chance to actually ask some of these people saying like, honestly, that surprises me because he, the, the narration voice, the perspective, uh, the genre, it's all different, right? So, but they say like, well, it's just like I, what it was always like. I don't tell too much. I'm not, I, maybe they say I'm not getting bored. It's more, you know, something happens and I'm not drawing out 10 pages about the interior of a, of a, of a house if it's not necessary, like if, if it doesn't have to be, you know. So that's what the people say about my writing right and um that's the voice so for me and i, I always tell that uh my readers it's like you sh always should uh, at least um um i don't know what, <laughs> um you should at least and that's what i do too is i always read the first page of every novel it's like no matter what i i need to know if i want to follow that sound that uh perspective and so on having right. said that having said that is uh that I'm, of course, with what I'm doing, I'm the nightmare of publishing houses because it's really, I'm, I'm not that horror guy. I'm not that, I'm not right. that guy. I'm I understand. Guy. And we, I talk about that all the time. They want to put you in a box. They yeah. want to say, they want to be, um, they want you to be a McDonald's hamburger. People yeah. know what they're getting every time they purchase it. It's exactly yeah. the same. It never yeah. changes. It, yeah. And to me, that's so dull and boring. And, um, it kind of kills art in general when we take that approach because it makes artists less willing to take risks, less willing to expand on new ideas. And then we just, you know, we get what we pay for. We wonder why uh, culture is, is kind of a failing thing in the world and, and it's becoming less and less to find real culture rather than commercial art, which is yeah, what it is. It's I, I I did have offers to write the second part of something, and and uh, for me it was like I I replied then always no offense, but for me the best idea counts. It can happen. It didn't so far, but for me the best idea is what I have to write or narrate or or in any form or shape, because right. I I was willing in the past to risk my freedom, to risk uh, relationships, to to have. Uh, 
what is it, dead end jobs, right? Like to to sell my car. I, I mean, I was living in an area where you didn't need a car. Uh, I, I, I got, yeah. So so these were all, it, it, and it wasn't a sacrifice, right? It was just like to get, uh, you know, a low, you know, like a, a lifestyle that allows me to have 20, 30 hours a week to pursue my, what I have to do. That's literally what it is, what I have to do. It's not like I, cho- I choose it, it chose me. Some people can uh, imagine a place where you don't need a car. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we, we need a car here too. We, we, we tried it a year without. It's, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you live in Los Angeles, you're probably like, what? What? <laughs> what? Where does he live? The moon? My, my, yeah. My wife, for, for the birth of our second son, my wife walked to the hospital in Germany. Wow. She just, yeah. <laughs> and I got a phone call. Well, what is like water broke in, in German? I'm like, I don't know. I never had a kid in, in Germany. <laughs> women, women are better than men, man, in, yeah. every, way, in every way. Uh, it, it's just amazing what they will yeah. put up with and go through. Uh, so, but it, they say write what you know, right? But, and, and again, mm-hmm. you, you, you're very versatile in and and divergent in subject matters. So either you had a real lot of experience or did a lot of reading in a lot of different genres and stuff like that. Which is it? Have you have you lived like a really experienced, you know, full experiential life, or have you vicariously got the the influence of that of those experiences through reading and films and that kind of stuff? I I I, I would attribute is. To- to, uh, to two things it's like partially it's life so i grew up in a family you know like um the it it wasn't uh, that there was a great vocabulary in my family right like the that was t- uh, really that i found somewhere else and um and then i pursued that because i was just interested i understand all these words why do i not use those words right like and pretty much with the second language it's the same thing you know i understand everything but sometimes i catch myself i could have said that better at least like you know orally here in an interview for example as a writer you can take your time until you find the right (laughs) expression right um so so uh, I came from that family. Um, then I, uh, I, uh, I, for three years, I worked in a public health insurance. What is a legal, uh, a legal juristic uh, profession? So there is this lingo kind of. Right. And then I, and then I did all these other jobs, like working in a pub, working, you know, like pizza delivery. I helped the guy on the construction side. Um, so and whenever when you do this, you you. I, I'm, I'm very interested in people, right? Like, so I know I'm listening. I'm, I love to listen to, to the people and their stories and stuff and not necessarily always intellectuals, I must say. Many of my friends in Germany, they were blue color and we went for like uh, curry bratwursts and, and fries at the corner store. And then you sit and have a beer there with the guys that do the furniture delivery. And I enjoyed these moments uh, as probably as much as anything else and and so so you get the lingo you get the rhythm as well um and yeah i never and then there is the research part right so if if there is a character a narrator uh if the is is the character the protagonist is it the narrator or is there a different narrator you know is he telling a story for example i have one novel where he tells a story that happened 70 years ago so it's an old man telling a story when he was 17 that is a different uh, different language right like that right yeah. so, so I love I, that stuff yeah. yeah and and then i i, I read uh, novels that take place during that time to to know oh they called them those things yellow apples that were picked up when they were green and put under the attic to ripe and get sweet later you know but these are things i did not know because that was over that time we talk in the late 20s or early 30s uh, for those things so research is is a is a huge part is a huge part and um uh especially now for the novel that took place took took now 12 years in the making so far i had to actually ship all the stuff from germany to canada uh, 6 years ago so that was a <laughs> kind of pricey entertainment <laughs> yeah um i have some uh, pretty silly stupid questions but i'm interested in it and so if i'm, if yeah. I'm interested in it so the uh audience probably somebody in the audience probably is too now uh because you're a uh 
German fellow living in Canada. When you talk to people in Germany, do they think you have a ca Canadian accent? <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they they don't. Yeah, it's like it. It was really for me when I first I, came. I, I'm wondering what that might sound like because when you're living <laughs> in, you, you do change your inflection based yeah. on the the environment that you're in, yeah. whether we notice it or not. So subconsciously, we take on stuff. I yeah. know I yeah. have a heavy duty New York accent, okay. although I don't hear it myself. Yeah. You know, so, so, but I'm wondering what, uh, and I hear you talk, it still sounds German to me, but yeah, I'm I wondering bet, yeah, if, yeah. if German people hear it the same way I do. No, no they don't. And uh, my, 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 English, my, first, my first English, if you want, so of course I learned it in school, but, you know, I, was, I wasn't really good a student, right? So, uh, but I loved music and I loved Irish music and I mentioned already Ireland. So my first uh, backpacking experience when I was 18, I went to Ireland, right? And wow. I... I yeah, cool. and and I took a novel with me. I was like, I want to immerse myself now here in the you know culture, in the music, in the in the in the in, in the pub life and everything. So, and then I went there four more times. So my first my English was coined by the Irish more than you know. And then I, when I was traveling, for example, coming to Canada, and I landed in Vancouver in '98. Uh, after the third Canadian asked me, like, you know, you're English? You know, they couldn't quite pinpoint that because I used, like, jumper, you know, oh, he's a good crack. And then they said, no, nah, you can't say that in, 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 in Vancouver. It doesn't make sense, you know. And uh, uh, these other, yeah, the, the, those words. And, uh, yeah, so it was funny. Yeah, they were saying three people independently were like, are you from South Africa? I was like, no, how is that a Canadian joke about Germans traveling, right? <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, no, it was just well, confusing. Vancouver is a different, uh, a, a whole different culture too be, than the east coast of uh, the east side of Canada too. I mean, uh, so that you have different. I think you're more more hippie and more <laughs> more uh, or, or open to hippies. But it, it just occurred to me as you're talking about coming here in 1998 that if you were born in in '68, your parents were first generation post war. In, yeah. in post-war Germany, did that uh, did that influence you at all? Was that was, was there any awareness of what you know what, what Germany? Happened? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's an interesting question. So I must say, my uh, my mom raised me alone, so my dad wasn't in the picture. And uh, but my mom was born. Uh, um, my family comes from what is now Poland. Okay, so they had to do the trek on on horseback and on on, on horse carriages and stuff. So wow. my 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 mom even fell off the and they got picked up and those stories and thrown back onto the horse carriage while they were fleeing and as refugees, right? At that time, in forty five, right? And then the other now really a story that probably nobody heard, like especially in North America, is like so. I told you I was uh, growing up with my grandparents as well in the in the same house, right? So and my my grandfather uh, he was uh, fifteen in. 1944 end of 44 and wow. he was one of those that they took here as a carabiner and you know stop the russians right like so of course they just he had the story they just walked by they didn't even take the the guns away from the kids that were there they were mortified right so they just walked by them and then he later got then also uh um, um, then they caught him later, right? And they got incarcerated for, like, I think six years, you know, like basically from 16 on to 22 about and um, in, a, in a jail and uh, before he then could return to Germany. And uh, what I want to tell with that story is, uh, um, so, you know, once a week on Friday, uh, there was this group of, you know, men that played cards in our house, you know, and I was, I love card games too. So I was always as a little guy be there and holding the cards when somebody had to go to the washroom. Right. So, and then t 20 years later, it dawned on me, like in a family conversation, these men were all men that, uh, they met each other in jail when they were in Russian wow. jail. <laughs> Yeah, to have that, uh, yeah, no, it's... Wow, yeah, yeah so, uh, yeah, and it's, it's fascinating to get to, and I think people should, uh, it's hard to get to know people who've had completely different experiences, but mm. we should try as much as we can, because I think uh, not only is it good education, but it kind yeah. of, 
it kind of makes us realize that we're, you know, we're all the same. We're, we're, no matter where you grow up, life is the same. It's just, um, you know, some of the experiences and the culture, cultural things may be different. But it, when it comes down to it, you know, we're, we're all people and, and it's the same people. And I think that's what's important. You know, I have heard German heritage, too, but I don't know anything about yeah post war even post well, pre my my family came over pre world war 1 so oh, okay. there, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. no no uh, idea of you know what post world war yeah. uh germany was like but it's it's interesting great mm-hmm. to get to know you i i have the uh website up there thorstennetch.com it's it's uh i should spell it for the people on the audio side it's t h o r s t e n n e s h.com yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so I appreciate getting to know you. And uh, which book is out now? What you know? If we were if we're here to just plug one thing: <laughs> your your films, your music, or or or, or a current book. Pick one. I I I think uh, at the moment I, you should go with I am UMI, the body switch comedy, because like many people think probably I heard it all right. I did a lot of research, and for me the point was. What if one of the two doesn't want to switch back anymore? I am UMI is the name of it, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. I I will put the link to the uh, the link to the website's there, and so you can yeah. find everything uh, right there, music and and stuff as well. Uh, Thorsten, it's been really uh, my pleasure to get to know you and and uh, find out about your world and and your extreme uh, creativity and. Uh, the, the ambition and fire that you bring to your creative stuff is really truly inspiring so thank you for coming uh wish you great continued success and uh-huh. please if you ever want to come back the doors open oh i, I gotta ask you how did we find you uh, how did, um, how, oh yeah over creative edge creative edge oh is my, 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 mickey, yeah. okay so mickey uh, mickey does it yeah thank you yeah <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I don't have gonna... time for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> See, right. That's where I said. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for coming. Continue success. Bye for now. And we'll we'll stay in touch, please. Thank you Bye. so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Dorsten Nash, folks, uh, again, probably 10th or 15th Dorsten we've had on the program this week. Uh, great stuff. I mean, really interesting guy. I'm inspired by his creativity and uh, his work ethic, I guess, because he's, I mean, all that stuff. I, it's one thing to have the creative and imagination and, and you know, the ideas, but to actually put them down and, and do the work, write the books, write the songs, perform the songs, record the songs, make the films, a lot of work, a lot of work. So you got to applaud them just on that, just for putting in all that work beyond having the uh, ideas and, and artistic vision behind all the stuff. Really, really impressive guy. I'd love to know what you think. Write to me at info at mindogtv.com, info at mindogtv.com. Who do we have tomorrow, Johnny? I think we have one show tomorrow. Oh, oh. Tomorrow we have a lady named Omira Mersey on. And uh, Mirza, boy, uh, all I can say is uh, tune in for this one. She uh, apparently was abducted by uh, extraterrestrials or, or something like that. Find out tomorrow. Find out more tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Till then, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV Podcast. Thanks for coming. Have a great rest of your night. Bye for now.
Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. 